0: Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Wow. Well, thank you. <clears throat> I, I'm pretty emotional. Um, I'm going to read something from Romans, okay, so that's just going to get me going. (coughs) Thank you for your love, your kindness. (coughs) I've been longing to be with you, (coughs) and something stopped me for two years. I think you know what I mean. (laughs) Stopped a lot of things. Didn't stop the kingdom, though. I like that. Nothing can. The kingdom is always advancing in it. He hasn't stopped. <coughs> wow. Do you know? I just, that's what I was going to say. It's going to be fun. The devil thought his greatest victory was the cross. That backfired pretty big, didn't it? That was backfired pretty big time. He he has been thinking he's won some big big battles, uh, but uh, he, he loses. He will lose. But <clears throat> we have to play a part in that battle. We're not passive bystanders. And so, but <clears throat> says this in Romans. <laughs> uh, One of the things I always pray for you is the opportunity, God willing, to come and at last to see you. I've been praying for your church since before it started, okay, so because this friendship that I have with Joaquin and René is is very precious, Um, they've both been such a joy and a uh, a great input into the life of Eastgate, the church that I I have the privilege of leading in, in the UK, and uh, Joaquin... Comes every year. We even managed to get him online to, to make sure we didn't miss him. We do a healing school every year, and then we run heaven and healthcare every year. And we've partnered something together. Renee's been with him. Actually, I remember Wacky staying in my house before you two were married, and I remember him going around my house with his computer. It's quite funny, showing off pictures. Do you remember that to you, really? He said, "Hey, you want to see these pictures?" Said, oh, there's somebody special in his life, and uh, that's true. <laughs> But uh, our our church has a great affection for you. Um, And many, many, many people have experienced Joaquin and love him dearly. And uh, so it's it's a great privilege to be here to reciprocate. And uh, I know I'm going to go home blessed. Um, My job to bless you. And uh, I never worry about being a blessing, do you? I don't know what you think it's not. because that's. Actually, I don't know if. Oh, sorry, it's just a sideline. I've got to have lots of. Side, you know, I've got two years of sermons that I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm. I'm editing right now. It's. It's a. <coughs> the promise to Abraham was, "I'll bless you, so that you can bless the world." All the nations. That's that's quite clear. Genesis 12. When, when it comes down to Romans 4, it says that promise got passed on to us. If you if you're. Of the seed of Abraham, that promise is, doesn't just say that it's passed on, it's, it's guaranteed. Amen. I like that. <laughs> guaranteed by God. That's cool, eh? Yeah. That, means, that means it always is sure. <clears throat> so blessings can happen. And what you need to do is be really good at being blessed by God. Not, a lot of people think that's selfish. It's not. If, you, you, if you're not blessed enough, then it's not going to overflow enough. Yeah. And, and the world needs to experience the blessing of God, but it will experience it primarily through us. Okay? That's good. So, One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. That's what I, I want to do. Um, every one of us has got spiritual gifts, but they're given for the common good. And the common good is not just one church, the common good is, is the church. And churches together are, are powerful entities. <laughs> when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but also want to be encouraged by yours. That's the mutuality of reality. That, that. and uh, So I don't come here as an expert, I just come here as... Somebody's who's learned a lot that I'm happy to give away, but I'm also here to learn from you. <clears throat> I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you. That is true. You've got no idea how many times I've cancelled <laughs> this visit. <laughs> My daughter lives in the USA as well. We couldn't see her. So nearly two years. <clears throat> I was prevented until now. <laughs> I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I've seen among other Gentiles. So I believe this is going to be a fruitful weekend. We already have seen some fruit. I just enjoy being with your amongst your folks and doing the Heaven in Healthcare event this morning. And um, Heaven in Healthcare is is uh, normal Christianity. Okay, it's, it's not it's not a special organisation. Some people say, when did, when did you start it? I said, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. It's, it's it's just God's normal. It's just that I happen to live that normal out in the realm of healthcare. But whatever realm you are, you are heaven in it. It's just that the medical world seems to think that's more difficult, in all honesty, that it's not allowed, that you can't do it, and it's not true, you can. And I've got a really good friend of mine. So one of the one of the great joys over the last two years with Zoom was that I spent a lot of time with a certain lady in California, <laughs> and, and I, not to provoke jealousy in her husband, but, but we've got <laughs> you know. So Jen, do you want to come up here? This is this is Jen Kang. She's a, also a doctor. She's a, she's <laughs> a, a, an obstetrician. <laughs> <laughs> she's an obstetrician and gynaecologist. So. <clears throat> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and we don't, look, we don't look alike, but believe it or not, we're twins. <laughs> um, we are literally the spiritual reality that we've uh, enjoyed together and just being together. So I just want you to listen to her. She's going to tell you an amazing story that uh, will get you. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it will get you. Because it gets... Oh, I hear it. Self-catching.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Little do you know. Hmm. So, Pete asked me if I would share one of my testimonies tonight, and I, I elected him and I knew, I knew that there was a suggestion. Because he had an immediate answer for which one. Um, and I know that doctors are not used to giving suggestions.
0: No, doc- doctors give prescriptions.
1: Yeah, I, I follow orders too. <laughs> ah. So I, I, I'm an uh, obstetrician gynecologist, and I'm practicing in Reading, um, where we have just like, enjoyed the pleasure of God in um, miraculous things, and it turns out he does them in ways and in timings that we don't expect. So the story that I'm going to tell you tonight is about a teenager who came to my office. She was about 16, and she came to my office because she had not started puberty at all. And, of course, this was of great concern to her and to her mother and had had kind of put off getting this evaluated. So she had not had a period. She had not started puberty in any sign whatsoever. And as I began to evaluate her, we went through a whole lot of testing, and we discovered that she actually had several really serious things going on. Her, um, Her uterus on imaging, on MRI, was missing. She didn't have one. In addition, her ovaries were shriveled and hardly there. And her pituitary gland was not producing in her brain the stimulus to produce hormones. So she had like non existent hormones. And as I sat down to kind of go through all the data to explain to her and her mom what I thought was going on and the complexity of this, uh, I just saw her begin to crumple. You can imagine getting news like this. You don't have the right parts. Wow. And I talked to her about how we, could, we had a solution medically for the hormones, and that we could give her medication, synthetic hormones, to help her uh, begin to progress into puberty and to develop externally mm, and to have normal hormones, to feel normal. Um, and she was, there was no recognition in her face of hope. And I knew where she was. And I knew that she was feeling hopelessness about what was missing. And, and I said to her, you can't have babies of your own in the future. Do you understand that? You're missing your uterus, your womb. And she said, yeah, I know. And the hopelessness in the room began to kind of climb, and I don't like that. That's not okay. And so immediately my thought was, oh, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray, and God has a solution. So I kind of ventured into that and asked her, do you have any faith tradition? Do you have any spiritual tradition that you rely on? And very quickly she says, no. No, No, absolutely. There's no God, and obviously God hates me. I thought, hmm, I think that's a closed door. (laughs) So I just looked at her and I said, well, I respect that. But you know, I, I do believe that he's very interested in you. What if he were to give you something special when you're least expecting it? And she kind of, I felt something kind of shift a little bit, but nothing noticeable. And she kind of shrugged. And left. And over the course of the next year, she received hormonal therapy, and she was healed of her lack of puberty through medicine. (laughs) And then she kind uh, of—I lost awareness of her. She didn't come back to our office, and so nearly a year, additional year, went by. So now she's 18, and I get a call, um, and my nurse says, "You know, so and so called today," and. She was really kind of anxious, and she wanted to, to, to get a, an appointment right away to come to the office because she's bleeding. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, mm, who's that? No. Hmm. I wonder. So I said, okay, bring her right in for an ultrasound. Get, her in, get an appointment. Let's, let's see what's going on. And again, I kind of forgot about it for a couple days until I was there late at night reading ultrasounds, one after another is tired. I gotta get home. Yep, another one. Okay, normal uterus, normal shape, size, normal. Norm? Norm? Who's this name? What is it? No. This must be. No. Does he do that? And it's really fun because I have an MRI that shows nothing. And I have another set of imaging that shows a completely normal organ. (laughs) Come on. And I didn't pray. I didn't even pray. No. No. Hmm, But if that same spirit that raised... Christ from the dead gets close enough to you, ha, something might change.
0: Well, I don't need it. I've got this one. Isn't that beautiful? How important is it to have Christian doctors who practice healing? It's not an uncommon reality for for me when I'm doing clinical medicine. Actually, I I don't do it anymore. I I had to retire from it in order to build an organisation called Heaven in Healthcare, which was a tough day. Giving up my my licence to practice medicine was hard, (laughs) to say the least. But but I I, I was looking back and thought, I lost track of how many times people come in and said, Hey, Doc, I feel like I'm a fraud. Because <coughs> before I came, and then they go through all the symptoms that they used to have. <laughs> Countless times. I remember one time <coughs> there's was, there was this guy, and I was it was probably I'm I'm an, I'm an experienced doctor and I know what I'm doing, but it's one day I was, it was probably the most hectic, full, pressurised session of medicine I did in. Outside of hospital in general practice, It was crazy, and um, it seemed like all the demonised folks wanted to come and see me that afternoon. <laughs> uh, and literally, I and uh, it, it was chaos. And I was taking all the emergencies, and there was a stack of people waiting in the waiting room. It was you know, it was shh, it was. And when I get there, I, I, I have a mechanism. I pray for something very simple that I can deal with instantly, like earwax. So emergency earwax. I just need earwax. <laughs> Anything like and just for a little bit of respite, you've got to, you've got to understand, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pressure here, no, no I'm, I'm used to pressure, but, and, um, <laughs> it's not funny, I had a couple of psychiatric patients that afternoon, and, and, and they kicked off big time, um, in my, my um, consulting room, and the waiting room was right next to my consulting room, so, so, so the, the, all the patients are, <laughs> what's going on in there, what's going on in there, anyway, so I'm, I'm praying for respite. And this guy walks in and I just thought, he's grey, he was unbelievably ill. Right, and I thought, oh no. Now this is a lot of compassion coming out of me right now. Ugh, I wanted earwax. <laughs> and you I'm, come with that. <coughs> he was grey to the gills. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he, he could hardly walk in. And uh, I thought, wow, well, you're going to end up in hospital. It was, it was obvious, right for the work. I just needed to find out what was going on with him. So I asked him relevant questions. and said, I need to examine you. And I said, can you get up on the couch? He said, that's going to be difficult. So anyway, I managed to get him up on the couch. <coughs> and, um, and I'm still th- I'm thinking about him. So I'm giving him my best. But obviously there's a, there's a whole background <laughs> waiting. <laughs> and so I start to examine him. And I can't find out what's wrong with him. I just thought, his chest, well, no, abdomen, no. And I need to give some information to the hospital, to, otherwise there's no, no way he's getting admitted. I I've, got to find, I've got to have something to say to the hospital, because uh, I know you need to go in. Anyway, so, so we're doing this, and I said, look, I'm, I can't find out where your pain is. Well, I can't, can't work it out. Would you mind getting off the couch and just showing me? He said, oh, no. He said, it's tough enough getting up here once. I, It's agony, Doc. It's agony. I said, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to put you through agony, but I need to find out what's wrong with you. Anyway, so he got down off off the couch, and uh, and he said, look, Doc, whenever I... hmm, Whenever I... And now, what what I then noticed was this guy was no longer grey. He was now pink and healthy. (laughs) Uh, And he said, this is the funny... And then he started to apologise to me. He said oh, sorry, doc. The, doc, the pain's gone. I said, don't, don't apologise. Don't. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know who was more surprised, him or me. <laughs> it, was, it was a funny moment. And uh, I, said, I said to him, I'd been playing for I said, so are you re- really feeling fully better?" He said, yeah, I've got, nothing left. I don't know what to say. I said, I said it's almost miraculous, isn't it? <laughs> and he said said, Yeah, but I don't believe in miracles. I said, Well, I, I do, so <laughs> <laughs> your lucky day today. So and oh. <laughs> and he went out and he's completely free now. Oh. And what what happens is I I didn't only not try it, I'm not sure I was even actually trying. Do you see what I mean? It was it was uh, How powerful is the Holy Spirit inside you? How how loving is he? How caring is he? How much does he care more than I care? (laughs) How much does he love more than I love? The other thing I want to tell you is I want to ask you to love medicine. Do you know it's a gift from God? I've seen more people get better through medicine than I have through healing. When somebody's ill, what do you want for them? Be well. To be well. So, do you mind if it's prayer or medicine? No. No. It's, quite, it's an interesting question. Because <coughs> people, Christians, particularly like to say, well, it was the prayer that worked. <coughs> prayer works but I bet when it comes around to your bank account you don't just leave say well prayer work about my finances yeah. Yeah. do you manage your money yeah. or do you just trust God with it do you understand is, is this there's a, there's a strange secular sacred divide that we have in our minds that makes one thing more spiritual than another yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's actually very unhealthy. Now, I was fortunate. I was born again when I was 16 and already decided to go to medical school. And i never had this in my mind that it's difficult to do these two together. People say, how would you do those two? Uh, normal. <clears throat> so being a great doctor and having a great God is a phenomenal combination. And I, I fully believe that doctors should be at the forefront of healing okay now I can, i'm going to tell you some stories that, that get on that and i better get towards those but um, i want to i want to dare you to think about what it would look like to build a culture of unconditional love yeah, come on, <laughs> now i had a shock I've, I've been leading our church since 1988. Um, and I was a full time doctor when I started. i stayed in clinical medicine until five years ago. Um, and so I've done, always done, done the two. People go, it's possible. Why? Uh, as long as we all play our part in church, it all gets done. yeah, <laughs> I don't do it all. People say, how to do all that? So I don't. <laughs> I'm a leader. That's, that's a gift, not a position. I've got a gift that I use. It doesn't make me more important than anybody else. It just is. We've got a great church because everybody plays their part. That's what the body's supposed to be like. And if everybody plays their part, a lot gets done. If you wait for the leaders to do it all, Come on. you'll keep waiting. You don't want to do it all, do you, work in. Nope. No, no. <laughs> it's, 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 and it, there's a strange culture within Christianity that sort of elevates leaders above the sort of normal. We've got to get rid of that. Yeah, come on. Puts people up on a pedestal that's really tough to sit on. The only way, only way from pedestals down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <clears throat> so in 2009, <laughs> I had a shock because I thought I had a really great church. Well, I did have a really great church, but I still do. But um, <laughs> we were challenged, and I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, we don't really love the world. <laughs> now, it was a bit of a shock because I thought we were really good at outreach, really good. I used to do seminars all around the UK and sometimes around the world on evangelism. Not I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm just very good at leading people to Jesus. <laughs> 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 I, I've led hundreds of people to Jesus. And that's my, my, my patients, my medical colleagues, my students. At university, I led hundreds of people to Jesus. Why? Because good news is good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't make me an evangelist. I just... Got some stuff I can pass on. Anybody, anybody. But what we re- <laughs> what we, re- <laughs> we realised was that, and this was a church. We realised that our outreach was really recruitment. It was a that was a tough tough day in the office. Wait, God rebuked us. We realized that our outreach was conditional on a mentality as long as you join our church. As long as you become a Christian. As long as we get some feedback. As long as, as, long as this, as long as that. This was in their minds. And you know what? The world smelled that. And they walked the other side of the road to avoid you because there's a spiritual reality that it's actually not, not the Holy Spirit that birthing those thoughts yeah. okay. Jesus loved people absolutely unconditionally yeah. Yeah. Okay. didn't he he never demanded anything never demanded that people follow him didn't demand feedback I'll heal you as long as you come back and tell me the story. Ten lepers, one feedback. He didn't search. Now, you're going to hear me right. You might might find this. He didn't search for a testimony. He loved people. And that's why he healed people. Healing is is an aspect of love. God heals people because he loves them. Um, And we need to love the world around us. God so loved the world that he did something. Make sense to you? You know that verse, don't you? There's, There's a special word in it, so. God didn't just, God loved the world. No, he so loved the world that something had to happen. He was compelled to do something. What he was compelled to do was actually give his greatest sacrifice of his son. Jesus said, in in John's gospel, he said, in the same way that the Father sent me into the world, I send you. And we realized that we weren't being sent in the same way that Jesus was sent. We were going with a different motivation. So we've set out to produce... uh, (coughs) An atmosphere in East of unconditional love and kindness, with the fruit of spirit. And uh, and these are some of the outcomes. <clears throat> There's a lady who had a really bad broken ankle. She's in our in our congregation. Um, so bad that it was never going to be uh, right again medically. It was just it was mashed beyond proper repair. Absolutely in agony, pain, and she just got a new job. And she couldn't work, um, therefore her family were getting into financial difficulties because her husband actually uh, wasn't working either. Um, she couldn't drive, she was in so much pain, she didn't know what to do with herself, the pain was so much. Now, what, what is great, the, the church swung into action as you would expect them to do. Um, so they started, you know, meals were provided, uh, lifts were given, they started to look after the kids and all this stuff. But the normal stuff that you, you'd hope, that's loving, Yeah. Now that's good. Now, now, that's good pastoral reality of a church. I'm, I'm pleased. We didn't organise that in the church office. I don't believe we should. That's 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 one another. Yeah, doesn't. That's that's how people normally respond to one another. They they love one another. They don't need for the leaders to organise love. That's good. <laughs> oh, I'm painting some big ones today, aren't I? So. <laughs> There's another degree of love uh, that she was about to experience. Because we have a healing centre, like your healing rooms. And somebody drove her there on the Saturday. And she walked into the, to our church auditorium where we run the healing centre. Now, we, we do it like you. We basically create an atmosphere of, of love, joy, peace, power. She walked through the doors. Instantly, her ankle f- went frozen, completely frozen. All the pain disappeared. Nobody touched her. She just walked in. (coughs) On On the Monday, she went back. (coughs) They took the plaster cast off her ankle, did x-rays, which showed a completely normal ankle. (coughs) And she went back to work. Now, I want to suggest to you that the the best pastoral care ever is supernatural. It is a good word. Thank you. See, there's so far you can get with human resources, but we're not meant to depend on just human resources because they run out. We've got something far, far greater than that. And so I want to read to you Ephesians chapter three starting at verse 14, it says, <clears throat> "Wow, <laughs> this is so, I'm going to have problems getting through this, I know so that's, I, I use this passage of scripture as a, when I'm praying for people. I don't know if you use passage of scriptures, but to do that, just a little tip, but it says, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, in, <clears throat> from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name." I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Wow. Wow. <laughs> his glorious riches, he'll strengthen you with power. Where? <clears throat> Through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, where, where's, where, where is strength coming to you first? Into your inner being, into his spirit. Uh, it's not just an external... Show, okay? There's something profoundly deep that God wants to do in every one of us. Now, if you are born again, you have the spirit of God living inside you. He's not just the spirit of God, he is God. Okay? That's mind boggling. How how strong is this strength we have within us? Do you feel strong today? Well, it (coughs) depends. See, this is not this is not talking about external circumstances. This is this is something that's, 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 that external circumstances don't have any control over my spiritual reality. Come on. Come on. External circumstances affect me mentally; they can affect me physically. But they have they have no access to my spirit. <laughs> and I'm a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm. So I'm, uh, uh, this, and I, this is my daily re- reality. I know how to draw on the strength of God daily. And one of the best ways you do it is by praying in tongues. Yeah. Yep. It's a gift. It says to, it says to edify you, to strengthen you. Use it. It's, <laughs> I mean, when I first got the gift of tongues, I thought I had to pray enough in English to warrant when I could swap across the to tongues. <laughs> It's, 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 anybody else like that it felt like you, you, you were cheating if you started too early <laughs> is anybody else like me or not I, I thought, got, to, got to pray properly first and then you can do the mumbo jumbo. blah blah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I read the bible a bit in the bible that says Actually, you don't know how to pray anyway I thought that's very true <laughs> but the spirit inside you yeah. oh, that's a relief I pray in tongues 24 hours a day now. And if you want to ask me how I do that, it's a spiritual reality that's praying in the spirit, not my mind. And I worship 24 hours a day because it's a spiritual reality. I'll give you some tips on that another day. But... No, I'll get distracted. <laughs> I told you I've got too many sermons. It's all right. I pray that you may be. He will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your in your being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what faith. Okay. Now, what I want to try and do this, uh, tonight and tomorrow morning is deal with two things: compassion and faith, love and faith. Okay. <clears throat> um, because the two need to go together. Um, when once I started to, um, well. <laughs> When when I started to do it, when people started to know that I actually had a lot of people got healed when I prayed for them, Um, a lot of churches started to ask me to go and visit them, to teach them. And the request was normally this, we want you to teach us how to pray for the sick, how to heal the sick. So I thought, well, I never thought about that. So I honestly hadn't, that that hadn't been from my mind. This is, is, how long was that? That was nine. I've been born again about 20 years by that stage, and it's been my normal th- since I was born again. So I've never thought of how the how to. I've never. Okay, so I thought, oh, this this, this could be an interesting teaching series. Honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I was flattered that I was being asked. I thought, what oh, success? If you, watch, you want to watch out for success, the flattery of success, is, is it hard? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's nice they're asking. They're recognised. So, I decided I'd go through the, the New Testament and, the Gospels and find out the how to. <laughs> and here was the shot there is no how to, there's only a who does. Yes. <laughs> <Come on. Yes. laughs> I, I thought, there is. Because you know what? What I find is really interesting Christians love techniques. Yes. They love techniques because you can trust in them. And I find it really interesting when I challenge people on their techniques. I, I, I'm a bit like that, as Jen knows, I'm, I'm quite challenging. and, I, and When they say to me, ah, but it works. I thought, that's exactly it. It works. Mm. Wow. Who, just, who just got left out of the equation? Yeah. yeah. He works, it's him. I'm not interested in it. It works. Because there's all sorts of things that work. Doesn't mean to say they come from him. So Jesus didn't teach techniques. (laughs) He did things. If if you want to copy his techniques, you're probably going to get into big trouble. (laughs) Smear mud in somebody's eye, you know. Well, it's in the Bible. It's the way Jesus did it. So <laughs> we're going to do it. No, that, there's a reason why I did that, and that I can explain to you because actually, blind people were used to having being spat upon. Do you know that? Because <clears throat> they believe the people treat them as if they were cursed, so they were used to the sound, which they heard from Jesus as he spat them up. And what did they experience? He healed them. Set them free. It was a deeper healing than you'd actually realize. He knew what he was doing. But people say, oh, that's the way Jesus did it. No, that was, he loved that person enough to go beyond just their physical need to do something deeper. (laughs) Okay, so... I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, <clears throat> may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love, this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, so how many of you would like to be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God? Yes. Okay, what's the journey to get there? Because you say, oh, yeah, I want that. (laughs) I want (laughs) that. I'm warning you right now that, that, that if you want that, and I'm going to take you somewhere in the next 20 minutes, it's going to cost you. Because love is very, very costly. If you want to experience the love of God in all its measure, you're going to feel the pain of the father how many of you have felt the pain of separation in this last two years I have acutely not being able to see my daughter not being able to hug my grandkids heartache that's on a reasonably small, small scale what's the heartache of God for his children who are separated from him. Did he do something about it? Yes, he did. He loved the world so much that he sent his son. That's compassion. Compassion is costly. But when I searched through the New Testament, the things that I found, if you want to move in the miraculous, is these two things, compassion and faith. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he always attributed healing to faith. And when it didn't happen, it was a lack of faith. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow, and that's what my new book's about. I'll just plug it. I'm not very good at plugging. I'm not very good at... This is a book that's going to teach you all around that, of faith. What it is, how to <coughs> enemies of faith, and how to grow in faith. Do you know your faith got big enemies? <coughs> And sometimes they succeed. So I want to tell you a story right now. Um, And uh, right back in 1995, I um, I was being sent to Mexico. um, (laughs) I like Mexico. I like Mexico. And I was being sent to a really remote part of Mexico to work uh, with an indigenous tribe called the Palme people who were one of the most... Uh, forgotten, forsaken tribes in in all of Mexico, and there was a young couple of missionaries working there, and they uh, were sending me as a uh, as a doctor, and also obviously with faith um, to be amongst these people. They had no medical provision whatsoever, and they lived a, a, the most desolate existence. I've 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 worked in the, you know the slums of Bombay, uh, in the townships of Africa. I've worked in the mission hospital. I've seen. Poor. I've never seen anything like these people. They were beyond hopeless. It was, it was horrendous. <clears throat> um, but before I went, two weeks before, I was prayed for by John and Carol Arnott. It, it was it, it, one of my head and one of my feet for 20 minutes. I thought I was dying. Seriously, <laughs> it, it, it was like being in the electric chair for 20 minutes. You know, it was,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talk about power. I pray that you may have power to grasp. You ready for the, you ready for the electric treatment? You're ready. <laughs> the power, the power, it's, I, I, honestly, I was like a rag doll by the time they finished. <laughs> <laughs> and then two weeks later, I'm sent off to this, this tribe of people. Going to get there, and um, yeah, I can't go into <laughs> this, this, this one's in my first book, Unwrapping Lazarus. You get the full story in the first chapter of that. But um, when I arrived there, and it was it was a long way, it was a long way from anywhere. It was two and a half hours just on the mountain roads. They they were cut off, you know, um, <laughs> and the first. Morning when I woke up, I woke up early and I went out for a little walk. And it was in a mountain area, went and walked along the paths. And they were, they were short people. I'm quite tall. But I was practicing my Spanish on them. Buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. <laughs> the trouble was that they, most of them, well, some of them spoke Spanish, but they had a, uh, their own language called the Palme language. Um, but it was quite interesting. When I, when I walked past any of them, they just put their heads down and they just scuttled past me. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't engage me at all. They, they were they were so ashamed, they lived in shame, but there was no eye contact, no nothing and they were a desolate, hopeless people. Um, they had witch doctors who ruled them spiritually, and they, they they were powerful witch doctors who apparently rolled up and down the mountains in fire by day and night and they had no medical care, but not only that um, they didn 't follow the Medical advice that they'd been given to boil the water before they used it and drank it because their water was contaminated with amoebae, which gave amoebic dysentery. But they had no, they were just so fatalistic that they didn't bother to boil the water. The result was that one in four of their children died before the age of five. And here you go, Pete. Good luck. So I was was supposed to do medical stuff there. They had nothing. They had no facilities. The first person they took me to see was an uh, 18-year-old boy who, when he was eight years old, had been assaulted by a group of of youth who mashed his brain in with rocks. And he was left uh, paralyzed in all four limbs, quadriplegic. Um, And he had a what's called a spastic quadriplegia which is spasm so he, he was and he his existence was lying uh, on a little reed mat in a hut that was made of sticks stuck in the earth with nothing between the sticks just mud on the floor and a little fireplace where they would cook something and that's where he laid for 10 years Occasionally, very occasionally, there'd be people who'd come out, come p- put him in the sun for a couple of hours. His only relative there was a young, uh, was his, his his little mother who, who couldn't carry him or anything. This was his existence for 10 years. So I said, Pete, so oh, what can you do? But, wow. Now, there would have been very little I could have done to help him, really, in England with, or America with, with the medical facilities, something, but there you got nothing. Now, I had a couple of friends with me. Um, one uh, one's my mate, Andy Merrick, who is, you know, we've done a lot of stuff together. And there was another guy who was a church leader, and I won't mention his name for obvious reasons. But, um, and so we went to see it, and I thought, okay, well, we've got nothing left but prayer, have we? And so I believe I'm a powerful person, and I'd, <laughs> I'd experienced power. <coughs> and so, um, I said, right, we're going to pray, guys, we're going to pray. So everybody agrees to that. Yeah, yeah. Pete, you take the lead, thanks okay and and going through translation i'm praying and 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 god speaks to me now one of the most important things i want to say to you is that faith comes by hearing so it's really important that you're not just so lost in your concern that you're not hearing the voice of god so many people get so many people try and pray in anxiety or desperation or concern it that's not faith it doesn't work it it, it might be well-meaning but it doesn't work <laughs> so, so, so I'm listening. In. Now, now God, God gives me a little task, and this was said. Right, God, uh, Peter said, "I want you to ask if you can take the blanket off him." I'm like, okay, I'm up for that. So, so, through translation, take the blanket off. Now he had, as I say, um, if you're medically you understand he was specific. So his arms were like this, and his, his legs were what called scissored. Um, now we prayed, and as we prayed, he went floppy. Now, the medical guy's going, wow, something just happened. The non-medical people didn't spot it and didn't know that was significant. Now, this is one of the reasons I believe that if you're in the medical world, you should be at the forefront of healing. (laughs) You shouldn't be at the back putting the brakes on. You should be there. Why? Because you can see what God's doing before other people can. So, I'm, I'm starting to rejoice. And the other guys are... What, what's he getting happy about? Because this guy is still paralyzed. Yeah. There's no functional reality to get happy about. I'm just happy. God just did something. <laughs> 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 There's still no use, but God's done something. So I said, OK, God. And he said, OK, next step, Pete. And I said, OK, take the blanket off. And he said, no. Now I want you to pick him up, um, put his feet on the ground, and let him go. Now, my medical brain is, is in, <laughs> Not, well, we've not got nerves to heal. He's got no muscles. Right. He can't walk, even if his nerves were. He's got nothing. Yeah. This, it, this is where you have to make sure your medical brain doesn't get in the way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what? Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> this is me and God having a conversation right there. Blanket this. <laughs> I'd have liked a few steps in between if you didn't mind. You know? <laughs> no, just a, we could work towards this, could we not? So anyway, so I said, I said to my mates, uh, <coughs> this is what God's just told me to do. And Andy Merritt was great. He said, yeah, go Pete. I'm thinking, thanks. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> really helpful. The other guy <laughs> said, you can't do that. You mustn't do that. Now, what was really interesting, and I found out later, this guy <coughs> had a sister with cerebral palsy, and he was so crippled by disappointment that wow. he didn't dare to believe. Wow. He didn't dare to yeah. want to chance it. It hit too raw a nerve for him. He was literally crippled by his disappointment. Anyway, fine, so, fine, Okay. Here we go. Pick him up. And I picked him up, but what hadn't factored in was how light he would be. So we came up a <laughs> bit, bit quicker than anticipated. Well, whoa! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were both shocked, sure eye to eye. <laughs> it was, and I, I remember looking those eyes to this day. I looked at him. Uh, he obviously didn't know what was going on. And I uh, got round. Got towards the door. I twizzled him round, and I put his legs down, let him go, and he walked out the door. Feeling pretty good at this moment.
1: <laughs>
0: now I, I know you. Could, I know have got to get the kids in a minute, but it's going to take me another five, ten minutes to finish this story. Is that going to be up? So <clears throat> it was unbelievable that the joy that erupted because these missionaries had been visiting him for months. He'd been like it for ten years. Everybody knew Attilio. Now he was free. So, that's good. Yeah. Amen. It was Jesus. Now, the problem was, I didn't think it was just all down to Jesus. That became apparent because I was pretty pleased with myself. Anyway, that afternoon I was doing a clinic back in the main uh, village. And the, uh, the, <laughs> to say the line, where well, you call it a cue in England, but you call it a line. <laughs> I'm translating into American for you. <laughs> the line was, was, they hadn't seen a doctor for years. So you imagine what it was like when they heard that there was a doctor. Around. So it was, it was pandemonium. And Anyway, so I was doing my best. And in the middle of <coughs> doing my best was this uh, young mum came with this child, who was about 18 months old, who obviously, obviously had, had amoebic dysentery. She was already dehydrated, really, really seriously ill. <coughs> and <coughs> what I knew was that, that actually, if I was seeing her... In England, I would save her life medically. I knew I could because she wasn't quite that far gone. No, I've done paediatrics. But imagine what it's like to know that I could, but I couldn't. Wow. That's hard. Yeah. But we're going to pray because we've seen a miracle. And I'm a miracle worker now. <laughs> <laughs> so we prayed. <coughs> Not for long, because we didn't have long, because we prayed. And as, as the mum walked away, I said to my friends, unless God intervenes, that baby's going to die today. And I knew I had the medical skills to, to save her. So <clears throat> uh, Came around to the evening, and basically I was doing a sort of a preaching in their little chapel. Uh, there was no electricity in that place; they had no clean water, no no, no electricity, no nothing, just amoeba and death <coughs> and so I was preaching there, and one of those places we 've been on a mission trip where you 've got a generator sort of giving a vague glimmer out of one light bulb in those places you can 't really see anything but as I finished preaching, I, was, and I told the story of Attilio from this morning, and then, then I looked out into the crowd, and there was this mum with the baby lying across her lap, lifeless. And I went over to have a look at this baby, and basically she was dead. <clears throat> she had the, the last throes, the death rattle, chain breathing. No pulse, no responsive, wasn't responsive to anything. No, She was gone. She shouldn't have died. She shouldn't have died in the first place because they could have boiled the water. She wouldn't have died if I'd had her in England. (coughs) But she died. So I said, guys, we're going to pray. Let's pray. I prayed 20 minutes, nothing, lifeless. 30 minutes, at at 30 minutes, I broke, (coughs) literally difficult to describe my emotion at that moment in time. I was so cross with God. It was unbelievable. I, I was beyond angry. I thought, how on earth can this happen in one day? How on earth would you enable me to see that and this together? And I walked out. I left it. I thought, stuff it or was that effect probably a bit stronger well, I, was, I was I was I was lost I was beside myself <coughs> and um, I just left I walked out I left the meeting I just took myself away <coughs> and uh, I was ranting Do you know God's not worried about your rants <laughs> he's not disabled by your ranting um, he was, oh, I was ranting, oh, ran, ran, ran. and it's—it's uh, it's amazing how his whisper can break through, isn't it? <laughs> and then he—he he asked me, what had to be the most stupid question I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he said, "Pete, why are you praying?" Not thought This didn't help my relationship at that moment in time. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, why do you think I'm praying, you <laughs> this what what what's that what sort of question is that? Why am I praying? What do you think? And then something hit me. And a realization hit me. <clears throat> that ever since the morning I'd been rehearsing my story that I was gonna tell when I got back home. Wow, you're a pretty special Christian. You might even get the right book about this. Your kudos is going up big time. You're a miracle man. And I broke. Sorry. <laughs> is always impossible for me to do that tears, because I broke in another way because I realised I got in a way. And then all of a sudden I felt responsible for her death. I wept. I wept and I wept and I wept. I felt so Sorry so repentant and lost lost, completely lost and then something extraordinary happened that I didn't ask for I didn't expect, I never experienced it before but remember what it says, that you might have power to grasp how high I And all of a sudden the liquid love of God poured into me It was extraordinary. Yeah. I suddenly felt the love of God in a way that I had never experienced it before. And it's not meant to be just for you or me. And I suddenly loved this child because I realized when I was praying for that child, I wasn't praying for that child. I was praying for my story. I hadn't loved her at all. There was no, oh. there was no compassion in me. And what happened during the day was my river, and I'll talk about this, that had actually managed to flow with life in the morning, had become so contaminated wow. with selfish ambition wow. Come on, that it inhibited the work of God through me. That's a tough thing to know. Sometimes we, there's a song that we've sing. Don't know if you ever sing. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yeah, you say, okay. I've got an answer to that. Me. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we, we sing that as if it's inevitable. <laughs> who can stop the Lord of Wight? Uh, me. Who, who stopped the Israelites inheriting the promised land? Ten men. Ten men wrote a history that should have never been written. I felt responsible. But this love suddenly, it, it was, I can't explain it in other, any other way. And all of a sudden, I love this child as if she was my own. That's the only way I could, I, I wanted her to live. I was so desperate. And I was so sad she died. You know, I loved her and I grieved her all in my moment. I so said, I don't know what to do with this love, God. I don't know what to do with it. This is too much. And then, he, <laughs> and then he said to me, Pete, can go back now. I didn't know what to do apart from I I dared to walk back into the room that I'd just left. And he said, go back to her. So I sat there next to her, lifeless? (coughs) And then God said to me something that is macabre if you like. He said, I want you to ask the mum to feed her. Well, that's grotesque. It is, isn't it? So I said, through translation, I said to the mum, would you please try and feed your baby? She did. Held the baby to her breast. She just fell off, because she's dead. I said, please do it again. Please do it again. She put the baby to rest and the baby started to suck. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> and ten minutes later, she was completely normal. I went back a year later. Oh, no! there's something I need to tell you. (coughs) Because I resolved with God that I would never know her name. I would never be able to find her even if I wanted to. I'm just glad she's alive. (coughs) She's alive. (laughs) she had been in her mid 20s now, maybe mum. <clears throat> so I went back a year later. And the first morning I, I went I walked along the, the little mountain roads. I said, Buenos dias. says, Buenos dias, senor. Something changed. See, on that day, that day, but then hope arrived in a nation and they suddenly understood there was a God of love who cared for them and they started to build a new nation, literally I saw a nation changed in a day and you know the number one thing that excited me when I went back that following year? This is happening in healthcare, right here. <laughs> Try and guess. The there was, they boiled their water. <laughs> you might say, well, that's not very big. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That simple little bit of medicine saves more lives in the world than any other thing. That's why you should love medicine. They started to care enough. They now have dug their own wells. They've got education. They've got electricity. They have five churches planted across the mountainous area. They had another resurrection from the dead afterwards. Miracles continue to happen. My friends who are the missionaries still go back regularly. And a nation has been rebuilt. All because love turned up one day unconditionally. So I'm going to pray for you right now, if you want it. Yes. Come on. Then I think we'll do a compassion tunnel. Would that be all right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't rush this, I'm afraid, so <laughs> we shouldn't. If you've got to get away fast, I understand. You're not going to miss out, okay? Because basically, I want to start something. stop start, something starts today, you'll catch the momentum. So it's not. this is not meant to be a one-off event. That if you missed it, you missed it. Now this is this is the momentum of God in your house. I believe you can carry this, because actually I know your leaders. Not everybody is geared this way. <clears throat> and God is starting something here. And we heard a phrase this, <laughs> today, yesterday, wasn't it? What starts in Austin. Changes the world. Are you ready to be a church? That, church that changes the world. Yeah. Then you need to learn how to love unconditionally. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, I release the compassion of heaven in this place right now. Father, I pray everybody here would have an encounter right now with the love of God. A love that will be so compelling that the world gets changed. Father, I release the love of heaven into this place right now. Father, what happened to me on that day, I want you to release it to these people. That they would be forever changed. Yes. Father, take us out of any recruitment mode. Yes. And help us to love like you love. Unconditionally, pa- powerfully. Father, I pray. Would you take a piece of your heart and give a portion to everyone right here? I'd like you to pray that for yourself. To pray for God to take a portion of His heart and give it to you. You can't give it. You can't give you everything because <laughs> you couldn't hold it. But you know what? Together. Together, together, we can express the fullness of Christ. Holy Spirit, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, come and have your way. I pray for power encounters right now. Would you release the power of heaven and the love of heaven? in greater measure in every life. Father, I pray we wouldn't be story seekers. Although we love the stories that come. Don't despise the stories. I'm not asking you to despise the stories. Don't get me wrong. I love testimonies. I tell a lot. But if you live for them, and it's gone a bit off track. It's not a competition. It isn't a competition to see who's got the best story. Father, help us, we pray. And I pray right now that the glory of heaven descend in this place.